Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 hi, 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 hello, goodbye, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. time. And remember... This is widescreen podcasting. This is wide, wide screen, screen, podcasting. I'm, of course, your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Yes, we are back today, everyone, with another instalment of our Skylar Moody Report. Yes, she has been on the show quite a bit in recent months, but that's just because we've had so much to talk about and because she does so damn much and attends so much. Oh my gosh. Making me feel green with envy once again. But yeah, I'm sure if you listen to the last episode, you'll know that Skylar is our eyes and ears on the ground in the States, and she gets to attend all of these wonderful Beatle events that I cannot possibly attend. And so she allows me and allows us and allows you, the listener, to also take part in said events. Last time we covered the Fest for Beatles fans in New Jersey, as well as the Music of Paul McCartney benefit show. And let me just say, we've got some even bigger, even more prestigious events today, though you probably have read the title. It's a pleasure to have Skylar on the show, as always. Always love having her on. We always have great chit-chat and... Yeah, this is just going to be one of those episodes, folks, where I'm actually not saying all that much. I'm mostly just aghast and agog for most of this. Uh, I hope you are as well, because it's pretty incredible, some of the stuff in this one. I hope you all enjoy. Let's just jump right into my conversation with Skylar Moody. This is the second of our Skylar Moody reports. Let's go. And with that, everyone, it's time for me to bring on our eyes and ears on the ground and considering that this is her second episode with her own dedicated feature, I'm not going to call her a guest. She's officially upgraded to co-host. You will all know her content on TikTok and other socials, her excellent George Harrison podcast, Apple Scruffs, as well as her numerous appearances on podcasts such as this one and many others. Please, everyone, welcome Skylar Moody. Skylar, how's it going? Hello, it's going good. I've been busy, but I'm back and I'm ready to report on all there is to know. Yes, uh, and there was more than even I remembered, so we really do have a lot to cover today. But just before oh, yeah. we dive in, two of your recent ones have been kind of conversations with formats. And I just wanted to know, is there a conversation with anyone in the Beatle world, with any other person, that you'd like to see that hasn't taken place yet? Maybe <sighs> Ringo Starr being interviewed by Lizzo, something like that? <laughs> Ringo start Ringo being interviewed by Ringo. How about that? If technology can make that happen, that would be such a pleasure to watch. But in general, no. At this point, I'd love to see Ringo because I've only seen him in person in concert. And now for Paul, I've seen him in concert and in person just doing a discussion. So I feel like I got to get my boy Ringo in there somehow. So Ringo, come out with a new book soon, please. Yeah, You're a photographer. <laughs> Follow in Paul's footsteps with this. If he'd have done postcards from the boys now, he would have yeah. done a conversation like that. Because, but like, uh, definitely, yeah, probably back in the mid nineties or was it like early two thousands, like that. He'd probably do a couple of interviews for magazines and a newspaper, mm-hmm. and, and that's it. 
Plus, you know, these are real earners as well. Let's not forget that. I mean, I'm sure Ringo wouldn't turn down $10 a ticket admission for anything. Why not? Yeah, and it would make sense because we are in a world where, oddly enough, even though the band broke up 50 years ago, there seems to be more content now than ever, doesn't there? Oh, yeah. It's too much because I feel like there's all of this archival footage that's coming forward again. And like how Paul was saying, he had all these photographs and he forgot that he had them. So then he thought, oh, I'm going to put them into a book. So now there's just more of that happening. So we're just getting everything. And the fact that we're able to get it so quickly now is amazing. Well, like, I mean, your boy George was joking in the early 90s about scraping the, the bottom of the barrel. And metaphorically speaking, I don't I don't feel like we're hitting the wood yet. I feel like there's still stuff no. yet to come out. There's so much more that we probably don't even know about or could even fathom. And now I'm just have to, having to sit here and wait patiently and see what that is. And I don't know if it'll come next year or in 10, 20 years. But I mean, the more that you have and the more that you can spread it out, then the more people are going to keep caring about the Beatles in the future and getting excited for this new footage. Because I feel like now I'm in my own little Beatlemania era because I didn't get to experience any of the real Beatlemania in the 60s. So it's perfect. It's a, a double-edged sword, isn't it? We we want the content now, but everyone knows that if they did just give it all at once, then the mystery would be gone then. You know, they've got to tease right. it out of us, drip feed, year by Nothing year. Nothing to look forward to. Oh, well, th- I'm... Imagine the, the the crisis of faith you'd have when there's just nothing new left to come out in terms of right. content. I need something, anything. Like whether it's pictures or the music, I'll take it all. <laughs> anything to keep me happy. Just lying there in a field of grass, just looking up at the stars going, now what? You know, just <laughs> Like the picture behind you, I see. <laughs> yeah. With Paul on the fence, I'll imagine myself with him. Paul, really? That's an ideal oh, world. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. God, I'm wondering when that's going to happen. Well, what, was, what was the last one? McCartney three, McCartney a couple years three, ago. He's recording stuff. He's got uh, up in the clouds, potentially a soundtrack for that. He's got the "It's a Wonderful Life" musical. There's so much stuff on the horizon that I also something. may never come out as well. Um, but then Ringo's EPs, we can look forward to that. Oh, if it's as good as "Let's Change the World," then I'll be glad. I'll be glad. We hope. I'll be looking forward to that. We hope. I mean, the fact that. Paul has basically, I don't think he's directly said this, but I feel like the lyrics book and the opening of his archives then and this um, book, Eyes of the Storm, seems to kind of coincide a little bit. Like maybe there was just a day when he, when he went, right, so uh, has anyone got a key for all this stuff? And then like Monica's closet in Friends, <laughs> just all this debris and detritus falls out. And oh, my God. I, I can imagine that. There's probably two or three projects directly out of the McCartney archives still yet to come out as well. Definitely. We shouldn't lose hope. We shouldn't lose hope. But speaking of opening up archives, let's start with your first little bit of reporting, your first expose. And it's not exactly the most current one, but it's something that if I was in America, I would have liked to have gotten around to at some point. You visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right here. I did. It was my second visit there, but it was the first time seeing the new Beatles Get Back to Let It Be exhibit. So obviously I had to be there for that. And I didn't think I was going to get to it either because originally it was only open for, what, a year, I think it was Mm -hmm. set. It opened early 2022. It was only set to be a year, but then they said, oh, we're extending it for the rest of 2023. And I thought, okay, that's my excuse to get back there. (laughs) Get, Get back there. 
no pun intended, yeah. but <laughs> I thought I've got to make a way to get out there somehow this year. So I ended up going with a friend of mine last month. Yes, it was last month. And we had a blast. It was her second time seeing it, my first time seeing it. But she said to me, oh, I'm so thankful I'm going with, you know, another Beatles fan because then I can just sit there and then watch all the footage for an hour straight. And I don't feel like I'm boring the person that I'm with. <laughs> and I thought I will sit in this exhibit all day if I have to. It wasn't, it was pretty small, but it was worthwhile for sure. See, I'm that kind of Beatles fan where even though I'm paying attention, I'm also still talking at the same time. So there's mm-hmm. double bombarded with the content there. Now, normally this is a very New York centric based segment we do here on Port Order. I think it's it, it's it's my Sex in the City, if you will. So the, obviously, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not in the Big Apple. How was the travel no. there? Was it one of these classic? Americans uh, thinking that a 20-hour drive is a quick trip to the shops and back. Was that the kind of deal? Thankfully, it wasn't. It We did not drive because the first time that my friend went to Cleveland and then when I went to Cleveland, we had both done the drive and that was about seven, seven and a half hours. And we both agreed, okay, we are not doing that again. I don't want to drive. You don't want to drive. We're getting on a plane. So we were there in an hour. So it was very top notch. Thank you, United Airlines, for a swift and easy flight both ways. I just wish you would make the flights at normal hours a little bit cheaper so we don't have to get up at three in the morning to fly home on a Monday. That was my only complaint. Otherwise, the trip was fantastic. Excellent. It's wonderful to hear someone actually just using a a method of transportation that is not just Steppenwolf open highway leaning back cigarette you know that's how i picture like, no. every every road trip that has driving gives me anxiety anyway i can barely even drive in my own neighborhood without shaking at the wheel so i thought i don't know if i could sit in a car for seven hours plus it gets boring after a while you're just looking at open pastures other cars going by and it's like okay how do we keep ourselves entertained for this entire time other than listening to the same beatles playlist on repeat which i mean that wouldn't be a complaint but I feel like I would start to go insane after about two hours. Oh, God, please don't put old brown shoe on again. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Revolution 9 on a loop. <laughs> well, we're going to move on to covers of Beatles songs now. And then we're going to do bands that sound like the Beatles. Like, oh. There's probably a playlist for that. Yes. Not no. by me, but by someone else out there, I'm sure. Oh, who's that guy that sings, um, he, he sounds like McCartney, someone special for me. Oh, who's that guy? That's going to really bug me now. Oh, God. I don't uh, know. I know who you're talking about, but the name is slipping my mind. Man looks up something on internet. And we'll be back after this brief intermission. Emmett Rhodes. Okay, we're done. Okay. Oh, see, I can just edit that and it'll it'll seem like I found it in seconds, you see. With the exactly. The powers of editing so fundamentally this one i'll if i had to pick only two out of these three i probably would have picked the next two you're doing but that's because these kind of exhibits for me can be really hit and miss they can either be really engaging and well put together and well structured and they really think of the tour and the route you're taking and the information you're going to get and Sometimes they're like the Beatles Museum in Liverpool where it just feels like a bunch of stuff thrown together and it's not very Mm -hmm. cohesive and satisfying. Did this live up to the height and standard and precedent set by Jackson's docuseries? 
I would say yes. There was a lot. There was a lot of information, you know, written on the walls and everything about the whole documentary and how it came together and about the story, if anyone was unfamiliar, and then all the little descriptions for each element, each element, each artifact. Mm. Artifact, I'd say, is a better word for everything in the museum. You know, everything was there for those who aren't familiar with the Beatles story. The only thing I was mad about was that some parts were missing. There was one of uh, George's, I think it was his pink suit pink suit jacket that was missing and then Ringo's drums weren't there and I thought I mean I was more distracted by the fact that there was a Rocky replica there so I feel like that kind of kept me happy (laughs) but if everything else was there then it would have been 10 out of 10 11 out of 10 but I'd say maybe give it a 9.75 out of 10 in terms of expectations met fair enough what sort of uh, artifacts were left there then did we get like Ringo's mm. red coat or anything like that? No, uh, George's purple shirt was there, the one with the little the blouse looking one, yeah. with the little ruffles in the front. John's, um, his denim jacket with the Libra patch was there, which I found was crazy because that wasn't featured anywhere at all in the documentary. Mm. But I was thinking, oh my God, I know that jacket. That's the iconic jacket. And I think I stared at it for a solid 10 minutes straight. <laughs> Obviously there was a Rocky replica there. Uh, John's guitar from the rooftop was there and I was just taking it all in and it was beautiful. I was like, how am I going to fit this home on the plane with me? You think they'll notice if I just walk out with a guitar right now? I feel like Jackson shouldn't have included Magic Alex's spinning neck bass unless that was going to be included in the, in the Hall of Fame exhibit. That yeah, oh, that would have been funny. Spellbinding. Uh... <laughs> it's iconic though. You need like <laughs> just a list of things Mal Evans said to the police to delay them. <laughs> That'd be a nice uh, display on the wall. Like when he took down their lunch orders. I just want to <laughs> see that on display. They what had the on some of um, Glenn's diaries there. They had Glenn's diaries, so it was mm. nice to see like his little notes from each day. I like okay. that. And yeah, then some uh, some Beatles lyrics and everything. I think a lot of them were replicas, but for the time being, I'm just going to say no. You know what? No, they weren't. That was the real deal. Yep. There's the real lyrics right there. <laughs> was there a lot of other stuff there, or did this kind of take up the majority of the publicly accessible areas? They had the um, the standard Beatles exhibit that they have there already year-round, just mm. with more you know clothing items, more like lyrics and everything. They had, um, not in the Beatles section, but they had um, some of Brian Epstein's uh, journals from okay. before he was managing the Beatles. And I, I don't remember seeing that the first time that I was there. So when I saw it again, I thought, oh my God. I don't remember seeing this before. It was really tiny, a little book. And again, just staring for a solid five minutes straight. Now, I know you're into your ridiculous, ostentatious 80s hair metal as well. Was any of that on display as well? There were some aspects of metal music, yes, but no Motley Crue because they have not been, they haven't been officially inducted. I feel like, I think legally they can't be inducted just because of their, (laughs) of their image. (laughs) <laughs> and everything that's gone down. But, you know, there was a section um, up at the very top of the museum where you could go to a screen and you could put down the name of an artist or a band that hasn't been inducted. And you could say, I want to induct them. So I did that for Molly Crew. Excellent. I knew, so whether I knew that's that. taken into consideration for anything, I don't know. But I know that I did that. Well, you know, you have power on social media. And there was that movie at the Oscars this year that had that grassroots campaign. I think mm-hmm. you need to frontline that, definitely. Probably. <laughs> Got to keep climbing up. Uh, the Aaron Brockovich of Motley Crue. <laughs> 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 I 
Oh God! Right, let's move on to some of the juicier ones. The uh, the real main course after our hors d'oeuvres. This was the first of the real hip swinging top places to be for any Beatle fan in the big city, and it was a book signing by Olivia Harrison. Her book was called "Came the Lightning: Twenty Pounds for George," and it's her first foray outside of biographical nonfiction. Twenty years since George has gone, twenty pounds all makes sense. It's been described as an essential book for anyone who has ever been in love. Olivia's words explore the human psyche in reaction to grief and death, spirituality, and the passing of time. First of all, had you already bought a copy of the book prior and read it, or did you buy your first copy at the bookstore so you could get it signed? I had read it prior because I had a copy sent to me, so I got to familiarize myself a bit with that. And her writing is absolutely incredible. I wish that I could write poetry like that. And knowing that everything was about George, related to George, just made it all the more special. But for this book signing, in order to get on the meet and greet line, you had to buy a copy from the bookstore. And I thought, okay, well, I got the first one sent to me for free. It's not going to do me any harm if I buy this one and if it's to meet olivia so be it and it was well worth it yeah you're at a net zero that is totally fine no i mean a book of poetry by a kind of beetle widow or widower isn't actually that new a topic uh, paul actually kind of did the same thing with blackbird singing though the constant references to linda's death was kind of more of a byproduct rather than the kind of the the purposeful theme that Olivia does. Does she manage to keep up variety? Like, can you have variety with 20 poems about the death of your loved one? I think it was more about like the death and life of George oh, because there was there was one poem that um, she did called He Never Hurt No One and that was going back to his childhood and his roots and growing up in Liverpool. But then you'd also have November 29th, which was about how she was experiencing, you know, the day of his death and coping with everything. So there was a big range of everything in between. It wasn't all, you know, sob stories and depressing, although you could you could definitely shed a tear at some of the happier ones just because you're reminiscing on George and how he was and how his career was. Look, as long as Joe Brown doesn't strum some ukulele over the top of it, I think I might just be able to hold back the tears. But <laughs> Oh, my God. You know. I'll see you in my dreams. That oh. song has been breaking me since November. I can't even tell you. Oh. I, I, definitely, I think I definitely mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned it to you on a previous episode or if I mentioned it to <laughs> someone. But that song, when I first heard it, I went to go see the concert for Bangladesh screening in November for the 20th anniversary. And I heard the beginning of that song and it sounded like Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea off of Brainwashed. And that's mm-hmm. what I thought it was. I'm like, wait, no, this this is not it. And then I'll see you in my dreams started playing and I'm listening to the words, just trying not to start sobbing in the theater. I cried when I got home, thankfully. I did not start crying in front of a bunch of strangers, but that is the most beautiful, gut-wrenching song I think I could ever hear in my life. It's a real... Um... Rorkshack test of a song you can you can just yeah. throw whatever loss and tragedy you've had in your life and it'll yeah totally hang and it's very hard. fitting oh but yeah where are we we're at the Rizzoli bookstore on Broadway can you please yes. set me the scene okay we walked in to the bookstore it's very small but like very 
very a little bit elegant. It has a sort of elegance to it. They have like you walk in the registers right there, but then they have all different sections of books on the right and then straight ahead and to the left. They have little sitting areas where you can sit and read if you'd like. And then way in the back, they had a big red glass door that you would walk through and it's their little event space. And that's when they were setting up for Olivia. We got there. My friend and I got there really early, earlier than we thought, probably about an hour. And we didn't know if Olivia was there or not. There were couple groups of people in front of us we had some more friends come to join us and i was standing online and saying to my friends you know what if olivia is not here yet and she walks by us i'm gonna say hi to her and i kid you not probably two seconds later <laughs> one, of, one of my friends just goes okay well she's right there and then i look up and i just go mouth just agape i'm grabbing my friend's arm so tight i probably like she lost circulation i bet and i almost I like started choking up a bit. I almost didn't say anything, but she walked right by and I go, hi, Olivia. And she goes, hello. And then I just started screaming as soon as she kept walking. I was like, I did it. I did it. I had a somewhat conversation with her and I'll get to talk to her more, but I said hello. And I'm thankful I didn't say Liv because I don't know if that was like, you know, a special nickname that George had for her or if that's something rare, but I said, Olivia, I didn't mess it up. <laughs> Miraculously. <laughs> So I went to a book signing. Uh, I actually skipped school to do this when Michael oh, gosh. did his biography mm -hmm. uh, in Waterstones here in the UK, yeah, in Birmingham. He was going to be there. I remember being around the back when he pulled into the big Waterstones book depository. And, you know, we were all cheering. And he was like, hello, everyone. Thank you very much. And he went in. And I was psyching myself up. I was like, okay, I'm going to say something really cool and really funny or like do one of his quotes mm -hmm. or an impression and i got to him and i went oh thank thank you mr kane like i actually called him mr kane <laughs> like, so i probably would have said i mean it's yeah, proper Miss hello mrs harrison i think i would have done that i think they made us a bit more british oh, than oh that's funny i would have said it in in an accent i'd be like hello mrs harrison <laughs> she'd be like what are you I'd, hello I'd just do it in george's <laughs> voice hello liv <laughs> Oh God, that would have scared her even more. She'd be like, "Okay, you can, you can leave, leave now. You Thank leave. you. Oh. <laughs> you can exit the premises." Oh my God, I'm just giving you some extra texture. Now get out, get out. <laughs> I'm gonna pull out a ukulele. <laughs> I could have brought mine, but oh I didn't. My gosh, you just—I mean, the potential to be a very annoying one of those fans in an intimate setting like this is that. Uh, yeah alive. oh god i could have never i was so paranoid i mean i think i ended up i think i was able to keep myself together and not be super anxious or socially awkward while talking to her but also at the same time i'm like eh. she probably i think she saw that i was a tiny bit nervous and she was just being really yeah. sweet and very conversational and everything and i was like oh thank god you know she gets no, it i mean i feel like i am gonna meet denny lane by chance one day just bump into him in birmingham after he comes back from being a, a tax exile and I feel like I'll just immediately put him off. I just, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'll just go, <laughs> and then just immediately. I might just, <laughs> You're just going to launch I'm, yourself. I'm, I might just try and grasp him like a limpet until I'm physically like pried away from him. That almost happened to me with Paul, but we will get to that in oh, a few minutes. Oh, I know what happened. That's a little, little sneak peek. There's video evidence. That's a stinger <laughs> for the audience. That's, that's a hook <laughs> to keep him on. Speaking of potential for fan-based disaster, what were the demographics like? What was the overall vibe, the atmosphere, you know? 
it was mainly older fans, not like super, super old, but you know, up there. And then if in the one little corner, when you walked in, they had the stage and then they had a bit of seating here, mostly for press. And then they had seating to the left and to the right. The entire left side of the stage was just me and five, six of my friends that are all around the same age as me. So we're like the young peanut gallery over here and then everyone else the older crowd is just all around and then we're just up to the side like hello olivia <laughs> nice to see I'm you just... <laughs> but yeah she got a pretty wide range of fans so the main part of the day was not the, the signing it was of course olivia's conversation with journalist and harrison biographer ashley khan i imagine as a harrison podcast e you've read khan's book harrison on harrison at some point I actually haven't. I bought it for one of my friends for Christmas one year, but I have not read it myself because I'm a John girl. John girl first, George girl second. So I'm getting everything about John out of the way before I move on to my boy. But the podcast is helping a little bit with learning more about him. So I thank my fellow co-hosts for that. Well, as a bit of advice from one podcaster to another, you only ever need to read the first three chapters of a book, but intensely make questions about it. Then you can just kind of pretend like you've read the rest that is true if you could pull it off the noise not listening i hope none of the other authors of interviews are listening Uh, (laughs) well but yeah um what was that conversation about was that mostly about the book and george or was it like this show and they went off on a few tangents it was a lot of um her just reading excerpts from the book, which it was very similar to when I saw her back in November with Martin Scorsese. It was basically same thing, smaller audience, different venue. So Ashley was asking, you know, kind of a few questions like, oh, like what inspired you about this poem? Or, oh, there's this one. Do you want to read some of that? And let's talk about it. So it was a lot of back and forth. And then there was a whole audience Q&A thing. And by the time I finally got the guts to ask my question it went right into the meet and greet and i thought okay well i'm gonna ask her when i go up to her so how was that cue formed was it a mad dash did you have to push anyone to the ground or anything it it was a mad dash (laughs) but i was not in a rush to i was not in a rush to meet her at all i thought i have the entire night you know i'm nervous anyway i want everyone to go before me and i was even being like with my friends in line i was like who wants to go in front of me because i think i was the second person everyone's like no we're good go ahead and i'm like no I'm too scared. I need to mentally prepare. Oh my God. And then they were handing out like they do at many book signings. I imagine they were handing out sticky notes to, you know, write your name on so that when you bring it to whoever's signing your book, then they know how to spell it. They don't have to ask or anything. And Olivia pronounced my name Skylar. Skylar. Not Skylar. Skylar. Like the hard, like the A-R. It's because it's because my name is spelled that way that so many people do that. And it's like, no, it's just Skylar. You don't like, I know it's not spelled with the ER, but you don't have to say Skylar. (laughs) Oh, and then (laughs) the way, okay, this was something cute. I was scared that I was going to like, you know, mess up trying to explain to Olivia how I wanted her to sign my book. But I was thumbing through it right before the, um, the whole event started. And there was one page in there where it has a little note from George because it has like little like doodles and pictures and everything all scattered about. And there was one note where it said, where he wrote, hi, Liv. And then he wrote, um kind of like a cross and then the the om symbol i believe and i saw that and i thought oh that's so cute and then i thought oh my gosh what if i get olivia to sign it that way to sign my book that way but she writes hi skylar i feel like that would be cute and then she would do the little doodles so i had the page bookmarked when i went up to her and i just went hello again olivia because i said hi to her back when we were out there and she goes hi hello again and then i showed her 
That's insane. That's insane. Oh, no. Okay. I like the bravery. I like the bravery. That's bold. I had to try to, like, not be weird. I was just trying to talk to her like she was a friend. So I was like, hello again. How are you? How's your week going? You know, just stuff like that to break the ice. You you smashed the ice. You you, you nuked the ice there. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But then when I was trying to, I have the video, I'll send it to you. But when I was trying to find the page I bookmarked, I ended up losing it. And I'm like, um, can you, I, I want you to, can you maybe, hold on, hold on, gotta find it. I'm like, can, can you, can you sign it this way with, with, with my name? Like, that's when I was starting to get nervous. And she was like, yeah, like, where would you like it? And I'm like, oh, in the, in the front of the book, please. And then she started signing it. And then while she was signing it, I asked her my question that I was going to in the Q and A, which was, if you, if poetry didn't come to you, what would be another medium that you would choose to express your love for George. And then I'm thinking more of like, you know, artistically, like, you know, would it be video? Would it be music? Would it be writing? You know, I'm thinking in that sense. And then when she finished signing it, she said, gardening. And that was the most, that was the most perfect fitting answer. And I was like, how did I not think she was going to say that? And she said blue poppies specifically. So in other words, now I want a tattoo of a blue poppy on my arm, but I got to wait till I move out for that. Parents do not approve. Even if it has meaning, they're like, nope, can't do it. But it's in the idea book now. I think George is in front of poppies at the very start of the Living in the Material World documentary. Uh, Were those poppies? I don't know my flowers that well. Are they red? Are they roses? I don't know. Or tulips? I know that they're red flowers. I don't know. I don't remember what kind. I couldn't, I probably couldn't even tell you unless it was very obvious, like a tulip or a rose. I'm kind of stressed at the moment because I cannot find my Blu-ray of Living in the Material World. And it's not exactly the cheapest thing to pick up anymore. Uh, Do you have HBO Max? They have uh, Living in the Material World on there if you want to watch it. Which I've been meaning to rewatch it because I haven't watched it since I was 16. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm I'm a whole new person now. I got to go back to that. That was half my life ago. I'm so old now. Oh, you and you and Ethan make me feel old. You really do. But um, <laughs> I'm getting up there too. I remember seeing that in in the cinema though at my university, and there was an intermission, and that felt retro. That was really cool. Because <laughs> it's such a long documentary, they have it broken into two parts online. Right. Uh, oh God, my battery's on two percent. Oh God. Uh oh. Run. <laughs> Hey guys, so this is uh, Skylar Moody taking over the Paul or Nothing podcast here. I am currently looking at a wonderful image of Paul on his farm in Scotland with Heather and I believe Mary. I'm I'm just, Sam's freaking out. (laughs) I'm just talking about the wonderful image that I'm looking at as your Zoom background. (laughs) One of of my... Stream Ram by Paul McCartney. one, One of my colleagues has recently had a baby and I'm just... Whenever she brings it in, I, I have to hold the baby and then have a photo on my Instagram. And I'm telling you, Skylar, chick magnet that baby. Oh my God. I'm <laughs> right. You've cracked he the looks code. fatherly. He looks mature. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh. <laughs> you've done it. But you've like, done I need it. to capture my good side and the baby's good side in the right lighting. There's like that gold, there's that golden right. hour about 6 30, you know? You got to channel your inner Paul. <laughs> no i do have a bomber jacket and i probably should take it to work and ask her to put the baby in the bomber jacket oh no that's perfect oh that's my so god. cute oh my god you've done it i actually might need to do that do it put that on your summer bucket list 
And with that, folks, we're going to cut right to the housekeeping. Housekeeping! I hope you're all enjoying these middle housekeeping segments, folks. The idea was that the beginning of the show would be a lot quicker, a lot more dynamic, and we'd you know, just jump straight into the content. And this is, you know, a little bit of a reprieve from all of my nonsense. Do let me know uh, in the emails at at gmail.com if you like this change. I'm going to be sticking with it, though. Uh, <laughs> so... Do let me know if you don't. Anyway, let's crack on with the news this week. And starting off, of course, we have had the conversation between Stanley Tucci and Paul McCartney here at the National Portrait Gallery in London. That was held on the 29th of June. I sadly didn't go, but you still can watch it online for like £10 a ticket. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly worth it, considering it's probably 100% going to be linked on YouTube in the following months. But hey, I'm not going to be discussing this now. I'm going to be talking about it in next week's episode on Eyes of the Storm. So if you can't wait that long, again, go and check it out on Paul McCartney's website. I'll post a link down below as well. And speaking of conversations with famous people about Eyes of the Storm... Conan O'Brien has also released his podcast episode of his conversation with Paul that he had over in the States. A conversation we may be talking about in this very episode. But yeah, go onto Spotify, go onto anywhere you can get podcasts and check out Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, where you can hear his hour-long chat with Macca about his new book of photography. I've listened to it. It's absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait to talk about it in next week's episode but again if you can't wait go and check it out anywhere you can get podcasts next up paul is set to appear in a documentary about hypnosis that's the art firm that designed loads of album covers specifically for wings solo paul percy thrillington as well as like pink floyd led zeppelin black sabbath elo the hollies 10 cc and many many more the documentary is called Squaring the Circle, the story of hypnosis, and is directed by Anton Corbin. It's going to arrive in cinemas and on demand on July 14th. And again, it tells the story of hypnosis, uh, the collective of Storm, Thorgerson, Aubrey Powell and Peter Christofferson. I'm guessing those are the major artists. Um, we've mentioned hypnosis on the podcast quite a few times throughout the years. They've designed many of Paul's album covers and singles like I, I know specifically like tug of war um the getting closer single um wings at the speed of sound i believe is hypnosis as well there's there, there, there is loads folks and paul is set to appear in it he does a couple of, of the talking heads in the trailer i'm sure he's going to be great in it we'll check that out in the future then, if Paul McCartney book content wasn't saturated enough at the moment, we also do a reprint of the lyrics book. Yes, uh, that's a book I'm going to be mentioning a lot next week, comparatively. Uh, but this is not a re-release of the version we had before. This is now a cheaper paperback version that is going to come out on the 7th of November later this year. And I know many of you have been maybe thinking, well, Sam, why would I care that a book that I already own is being re-released? I'm not... A major collector, I don't need it just because it's got a new cover. Well, that's the rub. Because this version of the lyrics will contain new commentaries on Bluebird, Day Tripper, English Tea, Every Night, Hello Goodbye, Magical Mystery Tour, and Step Inside Love. 
so you kind of have to go buy it. Yep, we'll be talking about that on the show, probably in a new segment as well, where I'll go through all of those new songs as well. Looking forward to that. And finally, since the last episode, we've had a slew of comments from both Ringo and Paul to reassure us about this new AI-generated Beatles song that is due to be released later this year. And the worry from some people is that the AI is generating some of this content and that is somehow false and against the ethos of the Beatles and it's disrespectful to John's memory, yada, yada, yada. But we are here now with Paul and Ringo's statements to let us know that that is not the case. Uh, On the 22nd of June, Paul tweeted, We've seen some confusion and speculation about it. Seems to be a lot of guesswork out there. Can't say too much at this stage, but to be clear, nothing has been artificially or synthetically created. It's all real and we all play on it. We cleaned up some existing recordings, a process which has gone on for years. We hope you love it as much as we do. Now that's pretty clear and concise, but that was clearly not enough for ravenous journalists and paranoid Beatles fans, as Ringo also had to chime in on an upcoming podcast with Rolling Stone, saying, This was beautiful. It's the final track you'll ever hear of the four lads, and that's a fact. Right, we'll have to uh, wait and see, folks. I mean... I really feel like this is being hyped up more than it should be. But, you know, let's just go into this with our expectations at a reasonable level and not expect the world. This is going to be a fun curio, nothing more. Let's not go too crazy, okay? And let's just stop worrying about this till it comes out. It's coming out. We can't stop it. So let's just see what happens. Anyway, that is the news over now. Let's just carry on with the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. For our Twitter and daily updates, follow us at McCartneyPod. To check out the blog for bonus Paul Lothing written content, check out paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by topic in Paul Lothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube is the place where you can check out our sister series, Mac It In Your Attic, where me and a guest go through their McCartney and Beatle memorabilia collections if you like this show you'll love that one so go check that out and finally if you want to help out the show directly in a quick and easy way then please just give us some form of interaction whether it's a like a thumbs up some stars a comment a review sharing us on a facebook group sharing us on reddit or on twitter or even just recommending us to a friend in real life hey even shout about us on the bus to work if you want whatever as long as it helps the show grow i would greatly appreciate it and finally if you love the show if you love what i'm doing here at paul or nothing then please consider becoming one of our new patreon members patreon as i'm sure you know by now is the platform by which you the public can support independent content creators such as myself but it's not just a gimme you do get your money's worth you get two days early access to all completed episodes of Macket in your attic you get one week early access to all episodes of Macket in your attic you get instant access to the Paul or nothing video feed so anything i do on uh, zoom is immediately put up on the patreon like my episodes with dylan were up on the feed for weeks some of my episodes with ken were up on the feed for months in advance so you know it certainly is worth your while it's all unedited and you can see my lovely mug as well you also get access to all of the scripts i use for each episode as well as lost and bonus episodes of paul or nothing as well as the paul or nothing bonus vlog series that is exclusive to the patreon i haven't been as uh, fastidious with it lately as i should but there is new content coming up for that in the future 
and there are already like 20 plus bonus episodes of Paul and I think that you can only access there. So if that's your bag, if that's your deal, if you enjoy what I'm doing here at Paul or Nothing for free with no ads, you know, that is true, folks. And you feel like I deserve maybe a cup of coffee a month or something, please throw me a couple of dollars at my face down the internet every month. It's always appreciated. It is. Come on, like I'm not. I'm not even being glib there. Like I can't believe wonderful people even give money to Paul or nothing. I know I should be bigging myself up, but the humility is just too powerful, folks. And before we move on, I just want to give a huge shout out to our latest patrons. I don't think I actually mentioned this on the last episode, so I'm just going to quickly cover my arse here. Thank you to Nikolai Hauptman, Sam Hode, and this Swan. Hey, that's a good Paul McCartney name. Uh, thank you to you three for all pledging $5 a month to Paul or nothing. Again, it's crazy that anyone would give this little tin pot epoxy podcast a penny. And so for the fact that all of you out there do is incredibly humbling and heartwarming. It brings a tear to my eye every month. And it gives me such freedom just to, you know, buy McCartney tat that I never would have been able to otherwise. You know what I mean. Thank you so much, folks. Thank you to everyone who is a patron to this show. People such as This Swan, Sam Hode, Nikolai Hauptman, Maggie Barnes, Mr. PJ Bellchamer, Stephen Lanham, Isabella Diaz, Stephanie Bradley, Louise Overberg, John Carp, Brian Brigman, Percy Thrillington, David Staberski, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Christopher Newman, Roderick Harper, Chris Atkinson, Richard Binnington, Teresa Breda, Stuart Cook, Cheryl McCoy, Lou DiLonardo, Robert A. Carabelli, Warren Butson, Cheryl McCoy, and Matt Phillips. Right, that's enough of my waffling. Let's just get right back to my chat with Skylar Moody. What's she getting up to this time? Let's dive right back in. Now, we are back from our housekeeping segment. We are back continuing the Skylar Moody Report. I don't think I actually mentioned that in the first half, but this is indeed the Skylar Moody Report with Skylar Moody. Skylar Moody. No, uh, okay, Olivia, uh, thank you. No, I mean, <laughs> you've given me ammo. What, I, what, are you not well? I know, Come I can't on. believe it. This is, I mean, this is, this it is wasn't a red, even intentional. <laughs> a red rag to a bull. This is Skylar. <laughs> The way oh. you go into an American accent when Skylar. you say it like that. Oh my God, Skylar. <laughs> <laughs> no way. You're killing me. Have you seen the latest series of Euphoria? Skylar and Euphoria. No, I do not watch Euphoria. <laughs> no, Sorry for add, all the Euphoria fans. I need to add a bit of vocal fry as well. Like, ah, to it as well. Now I'm... <laughs> now start I'm sounding like a social. pirate. <laughs> right. Taking place on the 16th of June, 2023, we had... 15th. It says 16th on the website? What the 15th. hell? What the fuck? I, fuck this. Sh- okay, right, okay. <laughs> Taking place on the 15th of June, 2023, we had storytellers Paul McCartney in conversation with Conan O'Brien talking about uh, Paul's new book and the, the topic of our next episode of this podcast, 1964, Eyes of the Storm. This is Paul plugging his book in the exact same way he did with the lyrics book, a couple of years ago, only this time he's gone for an American alternative comic voice as opposed to a British one. First of all, Skylar, and Skylar, this might be the most important <laughs> question of the day. Lay it on me. What are your thoughts on Conan O'Brien? Is he the best late night host ever? Do you even care about that world? Do you watch his online content? What are your thoughts on Team Coco? 
I've watched my fair share of interviews with Conan O'Brien, but seeing him in person, he is absolutely hilarious. He was <laughs> killing me. The banter with him and Paul back and forth, I was like, I could eat this up. And he was standing almost five feet in front of me at the end of the night when he went outside. And I almost got a picture with him, but then he had to leave. That's just another, a little aside. But I wouldn't say he's my favorite late night host. I'd say Stephen Colbert kind of has that spot only because I've seen him live a couple times as well. But Conan's definitely up there now. I was, he makes a lot of self-deprecating jokes and I understand that humor. So I was like, yes, I can relate to this. This is perfect. We're going to have a fun night. Conan has certain gags that he falls back on. And you pick up on when you watch him over and over. It, you know, a bit like Paul with, say, the story behind Yesterday, or let it be. Mm-hmm. Yes or no, did Conan do his 1930s detective voice? Where he, yeah, say, I'm, I'm Conan O'Brien from the 30s. No, he did not do that. Well, then I'm shocked, Mm-mm. folks. On, on, honestly, I thought there would be some point where he'd go, yeah, Paul, this is the music you like to do. You tribute, say. That would have been funnier. That would have been <laughs> great. I don't know. I don't listen to... A lot of his podcast. I don't know if that's like a frequent thing he does on there, or if he was doing it back when he was on the show. But <laughs> maybe it's just something I've noticed. He did kind of get into a little bit of a voice when they were um, talking about the one photo that Paul took in Miami, where it was the plane advertisement, and it said there was only one Mister Pants. And then they kind of started going off on a tangent about that, and Conan started putting on like you know a little bit of a formal <laughs> voice, and that was funny. But I think that was the closest we got. Of course, um, this is not their first conversation. Conan interviewed Paul during the Flaming Pie era. I'm guessing they had quite the rapport then. You know, Paul doesn't ch- choose these people or have these people chosen for him totally by accident. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they were just dynamite together. Oh, yeah. It was perfect because Paul was picking up on the humor and then obviously he's throwing in his own little jokes too. And I know Paul's humor better than Conan's, so anything that came out of Paul's mouth, I said, yep, yeah, no, that's you. Like, it was a perfect dynamic duo. It's the duo that you didn't know that you needed until you saw it right in front of your face. Now, was this book an opportunity to hear some stories from Paul that we might not, well, or even you might not actually have heard before? I mean, definitely, because you see the pictures that you haven't seen before. So then you get to see him give his little thoughts and tidbits behind certain pictures. It was, they were all chosen at random, I imagine, or maybe Conan chose them himself, but they picked like a little bit from you know, Paris, a little bit from Miami, a little bit from New York. And it was mainly Conan just kind of like going into detail saying, oh, like, I really love this about that picture. I really love that. And then Paul would just kind of go, yeah. And then he would give his own thoughts on it. But it was nice to see them go back and forth. Oh, well, it's nice that Conan did his due diligence and and actually based it around the book. Because I could imagine a lot of people, I mean, would just kind of use it as an excuse to have a general chat with McCartney. I mean, even though Conan's a comedic guy and known for his improv, it seems like he was actually quite, uh, not formal, but quite on topic, at least, throughout the, the majority of the night. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, definitely. He did his research. He was saying he had read the book a few times over. And so I'm glad that he had that background. So he was able to say, oh, I really love this about that and then this about this. So, you know, he's trustworthy when it comes to that. Had you read the book at that time? Uh, have you picked up a copy yet? I had gotten it in the mail two days prior, so I was mm. skimming through it a little bit. And I so obviously some of the pictures that were coming up, I recognized them. And I was like, wait, yes, I get to hear him talk more about this picture because I love this one. So that was exciting. I still haven't read through like all the actual text and everything mm. that comes with each section, but I have looked through the pictures because I do pictures first. 
That's just how I go. My favourite bit of the book is the bit where it's the second uh, piece of written text after McCartney's forward, and it's just the head of the National Portrait Gallery basically just showing off that they've got a Paul McCartney exhibit. It's really quite funny. Um, I don't think it's intentional. I mean, I'd show it off too. <laughs> I, I just can't blame them. Blatant they are. I think I think it's actually quite charming in a way. It's, it's just a page of yeah, mic drop. If you yeah. if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah. <laughs> They don't have to fake it because they have made it. Mm-hmm. What do you think of 1964, Eyes of the Storm? I mean, do you normally go for books of photography or are you more like me where it's like, I want the hard, bullet-pointed trivia fact books, you know? I definitely want the fact books just because I like to, you know, read about stories that I may have never known about prior. And then photography though i've always like ringo's always been the photography guy to me so then when i heard that paul was coming out with this book i thought i have to buy it you know i don't know what's going to be in this i don't know what kind of detail it's going to go into but i want it just because you know if i see any kind of beatles release of any kind of merch or tickets or anything my first thought is just i don't care how much this costs here's my card Mm -hmm. just take it take all of my money away from me and I made a good choice with this one. I definitely think the book is worth it, and I love looking through it. My parents love looking through it, too, so it's kind of a win-win-win situation. The only thing that's missing is the fact that the US and UK release are the same. I don't know why that's the case. He, you know, uh, with the lyrics, we, we, had, we had the different covers. I thought that'd be you know, more, more fun, pointlessly collectible McCartney stuff. That's the only thing I really feel like has been missing mm-hmm. from, from this one. I'm not normally much of like a photography guy, but I, I do enjoy the photography and I, and I do enjoy like going to exhibits and stuff. But and I am going to go into this in more detail in next week's episode. But let's just say it's fortunate that my patrons essentially bought this book for me because I find it mm-hmm. hard to. You're take... lucky. Because no, like when you get you know it's not like a, a hundred or a hundred and twenty odd dollars a month something like that it's, it, it's just a nice little bit of pocket money from some very generous right. people who like the show and my heart goes out to those people they are the lifeblood of this podcast and they allow me that kind of freedom but i've always tried to stay true to my roots of that 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 broke ass kid that started this podcast right. in his bedroom and ooh, there's a, a certain dubious element as to whether I would actually have bought this or not, uh, or whether it is a good for, for money. But more about that Gee. next week. Another hook. See, I'm I'm becoming more. You're killing like, it. I'm like the shock jocks of old, you know. Now, this conversation with Conan was also part of the Tribeca Film Festival, apparently. Yes. Um, for their storyteller series. Yeah, well, I mean, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, like, did it need to be part of the Tribeca Film Festival or could this have just been its own separate thing? Definitely could have been its own separate thing. I think, you know, it was or it was great that they had it, like, as part of Tribeca just to get people to come to the festival. But as, as an event on its own, they could have definitely had it at a bigger venue and brought in more people. But then I also like the intimacy of it being almost the equivalent of a high school auditorium. It was great. But I do wish that they could have done something separately to have to let more fans have the opportunity to come see it because it sold out so fast. Yeah, this was... You had to be like right place, right time to get the tickets. And you were, thank heavens. Uh, I wouldn't have been in the right place if I didn't get DMs to links for the event from friends because I had no idea it was happening. My friend Benji sent me the link first and I saw, I thought it was an article at first. I'm like, okay, what is this? Then I look and I see like Paul McCartney event 
New York, buy tickets. And then of course the mindset of, I don't care how much this costs. Here's my card right now. I immediately got a ticket. Not Vinyl thought, Benji. Oh my God. It was Vinyl Benji. <laughs> Vinyl Benji, my boy. Yes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fucking love that guy. Give him my love next time you speak to him. I will. So he gave you the, the heads up. This was at the BMC Tribeca Performing Arts Centre. Again, same quick questions as the Rizzoli Bookstore. What, what was it like? What was the demographic, the vibe? And where was, I mean, how close were you to the stage this time? Were, were you sequestered with all the other young people again? Okay. There were, again, definitely a wide age range because there were people my age, maybe people just a little bit older. And then, of course, you have the older crowd of first, second generation fans. And for getting close to the stage, obviously, this was a general admission event. So I thought, okay, the earlier that I get there, the better seat that I'll have. Maybe they'll have like the first row or two blocked off for press. I don't know, but I should still be able to get a fairly good seat. That was not the case. I still had a good seat. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like they didn't go in order of like, okay, you're the first one online. So we're just going to fill you in from the front to the back. It was all scattered about because the QR code that you had on your ticket, they'd scan it and then they'd just give you, you know, a seat to go to. But I was waiting in line for six hours, <gasps> six hours before this event started. I knew like, I'd say my mom even asked me, Oh, was it worth the wait? And I would say kind of yes, because I didn't know if Paul was going to, you know, walk the red carpet, you know, right before anything. And I wanted to be there early just in case. And he didn't, but it wasn't torture standing online either because the honor system was great. You know, everyone online was saying, okay, well they would like, we wrote numbers on our hands just so we would know. And it was like, if you had to like leave to like go use the bathroom somewhere, if you wanted to go like grab food and come back, then you could do that. No problem. I didn't do any of that because I was paranoid that Paul was going to come by while I was gone. But you know, it was, it was a long process, but well worth the wait. And then getting inside, I was in the mezzanine and I was almost like center because they had like mezzanine, like towards the left and then going all the way around to the right. And I was right in the center. And I think I was in the third or fourth row of my section. So I had a dead shot view of both of them. And my reaction, I have to send you the video for this too. My reaction. No, no, you saw it. You saw it. But my reaction to seeing Paul just that up close and personal, he's not even like wearing sunglasses or anything. He's right in front of my face. I just lost it. Turned into full 1964 Beatlemania. I turned into Adrian from Brooklyn, essentially, for a good five minutes. And for the first, like, for the first five to 10 minutes that him and Conan were talking, I was just sitting there, just shaking and laughing under my breath because I didn't know how else to react. Well, what about the other reaction? Was that outside after, was it, when there was other screaming? There was. I have yeah. one more, I have one more yeah. story about screaming, though, while we were inside. Okay. Everyone was screaming. <laughs> Everyone was screaming when Paul came out on stage. And I'm saying this because there's a full video of the conversation uploaded on YouTube that you guys will hear me in the beginning if you listen close enough. But Paul that goes... very helpful information for editing this, this episode. <laughs> Thank you. So when they first sat down on stage in the beginning, you know, everyone's screaming because Paul came out. And then Conan looks at Paul and goes, does that reaction ever get old? And he goes, no. In fact, I'd like to hear all the girls do a Beatles scream right now, please. And then everyone starts screaming and then of course meeting the smart one i was like i need him to hear me we're in a small venue as soon as it all dies down i screamed i love you as loud as i possibly could and you can hear it in that video i'm not sure if you'll be able to hear it in the podcast audio when it comes out but 
he definitely heard me. And then I know that he heard me because the um, there was an ASL interpreter on stage for both um, Conan and Paul. And when she was, you know, interpreting all the different like screams and reactions coming from the audience, when I screamed, I love you, she did the sign language symbol for I love you, which is the two fingers, <laughs> one thumb. So I know if she heard me, then Paul definitely heard me. So I can take that to the grave that Paul knows I love him. But I, I, I just imagine like Paul's at lunch with like Olivia, like next week. And, and they're just like, <laughs> so I did the thing in New York. Oh yeah, I didn't think it was strange girl <laughs> oh, I, have a story. I have a story about that i have a theory and a story about that based on what happened outside so well yeah continue folks, with the questioning please folks to say that i knew skylar was there before i knew skylar was there um another listener of this podcast i do uh apologize your name is not immediately apparent in my awful memory but they sent me some audio and, and some video of them at the venue outside after i think so mm-hmm. what what happened after was it a race to the car park at that point i was sitting with my friend brooke and we both agreed okay if paul didn't he did like make an appearance outside the venue before he went in just not where we were standing and we thought okay well if he didn't walk the main area coming in he's probably going to do something on the way out so we go we're going to book it out of here we're going to sprint and try to figure out where he's going to be so as soon as it ended we sprinted outside we went to like we got um near like the back of the building where we thought that he might be based on the pictures of him coming in, but that's where they were leading the entire crowd. And then I was looking at Brooke saying, you know, if they're leading all of us here, he's not going to come out here. He's, do you want to go check up front? And then we sprinted down the entire sidewalk, almost running into a wall and just trying to push past people. Cause we're like, he's going to be there. He's going to be there. We got to go. And we got in the we got to the front of the building with probably 30 to 60 seconds to spare before he came out cuz we got there and we're like okay what's happening what's going on because there was a crowd of people waiting but they didn't have like paul merch or anything with them so i thought is this for the next event that's mm. going to happen right now i don't know and then brooke looked at one of the um security people and said oh is paul going to be coming out right here and then as soon as she said that he started putting up a barricade in front of us and we're like (laughs) okay yeah something's happening and then so we were on one side there was a whole group of people on the other that were still coming around from being inside the event and then a side door opened and then nancy walked out first and then paul walked out and we were freaking out and the entire time Brooke and I were screaming happy birthday to him because obviously his birthday was then three days later. And we're in these bright, like bright neon pattern colored shirts because obviously we want him to notice us. And so the theory that I have is that we're the only ones screaming happy birthday at the top of our lungs. We almost ran into his car. So my theory is that when he was driving away, Brooke and I think that he knows this is the neon happy birthday girls. And I can just picture him saying, well, you know, Nancy, you know, who are those, who are those girls that were standing on the sidewalk? You know, they were wearing all bright <laughs> colors and stuff on the shirts. And they were saying happy birthday to me. And my birthday's not till Sunday. <laughs> so every time I just picture him having that conversation and it makes me laugh every time. He just sat there at the piano. Neon girls, happy birthday. It's not my bloody birthday today. Ba-dum, dum, dum, dum. It's not my birthday. I'm waiting. Yeah, That's yeah. got to drop on the next album. 
Yeah, but it's that song, and then you've got uh, a slash, and then there's a, a second song that is bolted on from like <laughs> 1976 or something. Perfect. I'm down for it. But it was, yeah, it was complete chaos when Paul came out. Oh, Because sorry. everyone... Um, I forgot to say, folks, the reason I know that Skylar was there is because she was screaming like a maniac. She's she's neglected to mention this part. Um, <laughs> I recognise the... You, you know when, like, evidence is brought up in court and, like, there's, like, the Watergate <laughs> tapes, like, is this the president? I was like, oh, God, that's bloody Skylar, that is. I can literally hear... <laughs> Yeah, a very distinguishable howls. It, like it, it's the it, it's like an Irish banshee is the kind of thing I was getting, and you 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 lost it, girl. You lost it. You... I did. I've only that. It, I am surprised at myself because I've never been like that with any other celebrity. But when it comes to Paul or Ringo, I'm a whole different human being. I will just charge. I will scream. I will go absolutely nuts if it's the two of them and. Paul proved it for me that day when we were, when he was getting into his car, you know, after he was waving and blowing kisses at everyone, he got into his car. He started to roll down the window to like, you know, keep waving. But by then, like there were fans that were right next to his car. So then I'm yelling at Brooke, go, go, go. And we just started sprinting towards the car. We basically almost body slammed into this van and then he had shut the window. And so there was a point we're just like against the car and we're definitely looking at him but there's just tinted <laughs> windows and we can't see it we're like oh my god i had to pull myself back because i was like whoa 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 i almost just died right here but then he started driving away a bit and kept waving and i of course was screaming at the top of my lungs just going I love you! you know in case you didn't hear it enough already inside what? the venue <laughs> you know that scene in jurassic park when the kids are trapped inside the car the t-rex is like looking in with his mm-hmm. i i pictured the level of of blockbuster fear was similar, definitely. Probably. Um, I want to know, like, I see, this is probably, I'm thinking about the pictures in Eyes of the Storm where he's taking pictures in the car of everyone just, like, looking in and waving and screaming. I'm like, we're recreating that for for him right now. It's come full circle. Oh, I mean, folks, if I was a nasty person, I'd say the four eyes of the storm, but I'm not a nasty person, so I'm not going to make... (laughs) that joke. no that's me <laughs> i wonder if he snapped it. I, I didn't see it i wonder if he snapped the picture this That'd time on so a smartphone funny. though that, oh, if it was like a one for one like you were in the exact pose and it was the exact same car just me like my same. like the tears i'm just like ah, mouth open looking no, like a psychopath no well, no it's more like the screen like uh, <laughs> <laughs> i forget which artist painted oh, that God. i do i do apologize to the art heads out there um just quickly uh, was there a question and answer segment for the there was not there was not there was not i feel like that would have been chaos in itself because everyone would everyone's hands would have gone up everyone would have had a question and he probably only would have been able to answer three of them before walking out so it was kind of understandable that they didn't do anything like that but Hmm. there's plenty of opportunities in the future i imagine i think they're gonna they would I don't know if the events happened yet. I forgot what day they were planning this, but the National Portrait Gallery for the that opening in London, they were doing a virtual event um, for that. And I think there might be a Q and A. I'm not sure, but I would yeah, think that because it's an online event. That. Yeah, I think I'm going to be. It's an online event, so they're going to take submissions from people online and probably ask questions at random. 
see, if I was there, I'd have to go, right, uh, this is a question for Conan. Uh, not trying to put you on the spot, but in detail, talk me through McCartney 3. And then just sit there yep. with my arms folded and go, talk, tell Paul what you think for McCartney an hour. 3. And then, oh, no, no, the, the hope for me with that, he actually didn't, he actually hasn't listened to it yet. And, he, you know, he's still just listening to Flaming Pie and Chaos and Creation. He's just like, wait, there's another album? What? Mm. <laughs> I have to play it now. Let me just get his live reaction. Hey, Paul, what's happening with the 18 projects that you haven't updated us on for the last four years? Rebuttal? Oh, I see. Well, I see. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working on it. I can't do a Paul impression. I'm better at doing John. It's a slightly higher register. A lot of it's in the nose. The nose. Um. Yeah, I got to work on it. John, I know, is like a bit nasally. So I can, I can do that a little bit. Wait, what was that? I, I'm on the spot right now. It's hard. I can't I'll just go into, you know, traditional Liverpool. I'll just start talking like this and say that it sounds like a beetle. Forgive the most cisgender straight question ever, but is Nancy, okay. as, pre- is Nancy as pretty as I think she is? Yes, she's life. gorgeous. She's <laughs> oh, absolutely she's so gorgeous. Beautiful. I'm not going to lie, yes. Olivia is aging like a fine wine. Like she I looks know, she's mental. stunning. Yeah. She is absolutely stunning. No, uh, she just looks like how she did in living in the, in the material world. Which yeah, exactly. Quite sure. You wouldn't know that she's aged. No, I'm like... And she know. still has that sweet soul, of course. <laughs> she has, no, like, but... just the same the same vibes as George, and that's why I loved it, because talking to her, it felt like talking to George, too. And I'm like, I need to cherish this moment for the rest of my life. No, but she she could also pick up a red iron poker and beat someone nearly to death with it as well. So she's got oh, yeah. a yin and a yang, which is... She's feisty. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's probably one of the coolest elements of the Beatles story, that she just went, right... Uh, it's like in Signs uh, where Joaquin Phoenix has to swing away, whack the alien. <laughs> but anyway, enough of M. Night Shyamalan. Before we close this particular segment, what upcoming Beatle events are on the horizon, if any? Take a Ooh. break. Take a hiatus, Skylar. I'm on a hiatus right now until August. August, <laughs> I'm going to Chicago for the Fest for Beatles fans yet again. And then in October, I will be going to Las Vegas to see the Beatles Love Cirque du Soleil show. If anything happens in between any of that, I don't know. We'll have to see. But for now, I am calm. I am in my element. Thanks for letting me know in advance. I'll do an episode on Love Cirque du Soleil. And then the second part of that episode will be the chat with you about it. That's content. Another hook. Keep them interested. Perfect. There we go, folks. Um, and not to start a whole other conversation, but um, it's pretty personal, considering that, that the last time we spoke, it was about AI. Um, pretty mad. What, oh, an uh, update. Pretty mad what's happening. It's pretty crazy, right? Oh, uh, yeah. A little poorly putting out a Beatles song. Um, I don't know how Ken feels about this. Ken is losing but... his mind right now. Okay. On, well, on all 127 of his radio shows, he's pulling his hair out. You know, here's the thing. I feel like a lot of the major news headlines for that were really misleading because everyone saw Beatles and AI in the same sentence and they immediately think, oh my God, it's a Beatles song completely generated by AI. Oh no, what are we going to do? But that's not the case. They're using AI on John's already pre-recorded vocals to help enhance the vocals and make it sound better. It's essentially the same technology that they were using when... Peter Jackson helped Paul do his I've Got a Feeling duet with John on tour. It's 
literally the same concept as when they were doing free as a bird because they had John's recorded vocals and then Paul and everyone else was adding in their own stuff. So I'm excited for this and I'm happy that Paul and Ringo are behind the project, which I know that was Ken's big thing was, Oh, if they're behind it, then, you know, I'm okay with it. And they are. So I'm okay with it as well. And knowing that it's John's real vocals and it's not, you know, an AI robot that sounds like John Lennon singing a song. I'm okay with it. And I'm excited for it. I'm just hoping that secretly Lennon, the last thing he ever said to Paul was, Paul, whatever you do, one of my songs, put the Shangri-Las in it. So it'll be like, now and then, old friend, dun, whatever happened to... Just, <laughs> but he does the TikTok version this this time, though, with the, with the really oh high-pitched one. Oh, oh, my gosh, we, we need a TikTok version of Free as a Bird, and I think you are the person. Oh, God, like an AI version of, of an already... <laughs> kind of ai song yeah like what would the rest of the song sound like if it was set to the pitch of the tiktok oh no Boom. oh no Boom. I oh yeah. i'm not that technically advanced when it comes to making audio but i'll try to brainstorming i'm brainstorming i'm just the i'm just the ideas man i don't actually get these things done i'm just i'll just i'll let you know i'll let you know how it goes in my free spare time exactly Right, everyone. That brings us to the end of the second Skylar Moody report. This is a feature that I'm actually really happy with on this show. Not just because I get to chat with one of my favourite Beatle buddies, but because I've always wanted to keep more on the pulse and create short-form, quick-to-produce episodes. This is a real uh, bringing together of worlds for me. This is quick content, it's fun, it's on the pulse, and it's not just me doing a new segment where I go... And then this happened in the Beatles this week, and then this happened in the Beatles this week, which I do every episode anyway, but this is a little more dynamic. Skylar, Skylar, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, and happy Global Beatles Day, as it is June 25th when we're recording this. How did I not even know that? <laughs> I don't know. Have you been on the internet today? Uh, see, look, generally, I'm the kind of guy that I don't put, like, happy birthday Paul on Twitter and stuff I, I just think that everyone's wish him get, a happy birthday everyone's getting that same kind no? of content everywhere else I'd rather just put a funny picture of or something you know like like okay. happy Father's Day or happy Christmas I, I hate doing that on the socials so uh, I don't yeah, blame I, you but it's still I, nice I like doing it I know he's never going to read my happy birthday message but I'm like okay I put it out there I feel content yeah. But anyway, yeah, happy Global Beatles Day to happy you and Global. yours. Happy Global Beatles Day, everyone. What a nice little way to end the show. And this has been an episode of Poor Order. I think this has been the second Skylar Moody report. Skylar Moody has been our eyes and ears on the ground in the States. Because everything happens in America, nothing ever happens here in the UK, least not of which the city where I live, because Paul will never forgive this town for having given birth to Demi Lane. Everyone... Thank you for joining me this week. I've been Sam Wells, Shaking Skyline Movie. Take care.